0: This is Purple Radio on demand. For right reasons, the music on this podcast is shorter than the original version. You're listening to Purple Radio, Durham Student Radio Station. I think the most important thing and best piece of advice is life is real short. You have to stick to your guns. You have to find something that you can do, and you can change it. You can influence it. You can you can build your own things that other people can use. For me, that's thrilling. Something really good happens doing something you passionately believe in, rather than half your life doing nothing. I know you may try
1: to argue with that but you can't
0: uh, and we don't have time to spare visit www.purpleradio.co.uk to find out more about season two of videotape thank you very much the chorus now you know that i
1: belong to be reflections of myself that it all
0: Good afternoon from Videotape on Purple Radio's very own Christmas special. You're listening to Luca Patalis. The time is just after three and today I'm joined by Lou Bedford, founder of the Sockstar Project, an environmental conservation organisation with the simple focus to support wildlife rangers who protect endangered species in Africa and Asia. Welcome to the programme, Lee. Yeah, thanks for having me. Firstly, can you tell us what your organisation, your project is that you're doing at the moment? Yeah,
1: so the Sockstar project is a non-profit organisation. We focus on the basic needs of wildlife rangers. so that can be anything from boots uh, to gloves to beanies, socks, um, Mm -hmm. even feminine hygiene products, um, things that may often get overseen by larger non-profits. are really uh, important to every arranger across Africa and Asia themselves. At the moment we're in Zambia and Zimbabwe, um, but we're also in negotiation at the moment uh, to be in India as well uh, over the Christmas period, which would be really interesting for us um, and something a bit different. Um, and for our audience, I think it's important to realise that endangered species don't just exist within southern Africa. You know, the world has so many um, from across the Americas, Africa, Asia. Uh, Europe as well, Um, and so for us to move into a new continent is extremely exciting.
0: What was the sort of inception of the project? When did it start? How did it start?
1: Um, It started um, off a story actually. It was at a dinner table at home and uh, my mum, who was also in conservation, mentioned to me that um, when she was um, looking at one of the projects uh, that she works with, uh, one of the rangers uh, only had half a sock on their foot. Um, and instead of sort of laughing it off, it was more of a, an embarrassment um, to him. Uh, and as she relayed this story to me, I thought, you know, there's so much more that can be done for for basic needs of wildlife ranges. Um, and then in December in 2017, um, I decided that um, I would go and speak to a few friends and we we're going to fundraise for 100 pairs of socks. 20 of them were from my wardrobe, uh, 10 from my brothers, uh, and very quickly, you know, 100 pairs of socks were. Uh, all boxed up and ready to go out to Zambia, um, where they went the following month, um, and it was just a really simple pilot project uh, that made sure that we knew that we were looking after rangers uh, in a tiny, tiny way. Um, you know, one of the most basic ways um, is to make sure their feet are dry and warm um, when it's extremely cold weather in the mornings in Africa, uh, and also just something that should never, never have to come to that, but. Uh, the response to that was amazing, people were so um, grateful on the ground but also people that um, kind of understood the idea were really complimentary. Um, and I left it for a while until I realised actually there's so much more that could be done. Um, and then yeah, on that realisation decided that um, I'd start a project, I didn't know it would be called the Sockstar project until much later. Uh, and then at the time uh, a really, really simple um, aim was just to try and support those ranges again uh, with other things. So, um, yeah, with beanies and gloves and we did that and suddenly we realized that this is a really simple model um, that we could grow. Uh, and we have grown that now, which is extremely exciting. Uh, and yeah, and now we're in a different country. we've got a different range of projects that we're partnering with. Um, and there's so much more that comes with uh, doing you know making a meaningful difference. I think conservation is one of these entities where you can try and make big difference and make none at all. And so try and make simple difference for us is really, uh, really rewarding, actually. Um, it's one of the most rewarding things I've done, uh, knowing that we're not changing the world, but we're changing one person's life just for that week and making them feel that they're really valued by someone that they'll never meet.
0: I guess what's interesting about your project is that you're not tackling poaching front-on. You're not tackling it itself. You're doing it through a different method. You're helping the people who work to tackle it, Yeah. yeah to be exactly. able to do their job.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely a different spin on conservation um, on the website and, and throughout our mission. It's sort of delivering meaningful conservation. Um, you know, I, I think it's difficult. I remember um, hearing that it's tough to call yourself a conservationist unless you save something. Um, so I think it's difficult for us to, to really um, try and tackle those bigger issues without starting from the very basics, which are the brave men and women on the front line. Um, and, that, and that gives us some real interesting... You know um, uniqueness actually to the other larger charities that we'll never be able to compete with. Um, perhaps they've reached such a size where they forget that the simple things are the most important and instead of trying to please um, you know, uh, board members etc we don't have any of those, we, we're just trying to look after the ranges that we uh, partner with. So yeah you're, de- you're definitely right in the sense that we're, we're looking at a totally different lens on conservation but nevertheless a very important one.
0: How do you marshal having that as a project that you focus on and having a degree as well at the same time.
1: Um, good question. I think um, initially I thought it'd be a lot easier, uh, but actually the workload on Sockstar was a lot lighter. Um, so it, the kind of main points of um, time were, you know, um, spreading our network, growing, etc. But now there's a few more responsibilities that come with um, running a slightly larger a larger organisation. So uh, yeah, with its with its uh, challenges, uh, no, without a doubt, um, my degree is just combined social science. Um, some of the modules are relevant, some of the political modules, um, studying the UN and things like that. But actually, there's nothing there's nothing that's directly related. So it's very much a case of switching on and switching off um, within different times and. Trying to be as flexible as I can. Um, often meetings will be in London, but I'm in Durham, so that's a difficult one. So uh, lots of uh, lots of help from technology. Luckily, emails, Skype, things like that, which would never have been possible, you know, twenty, thirty years ago.
0: What are some of the methods that poachers are using at the moment that yeah. threatens the wildlife and and animals that have roamed the grounds of Africa for? thousands of years. Yeah,
1: um, I think with all crime, organized crime, they're becoming uh, much more creative with the ways that they are looking to poach animals. So the more basic um, ideas of um, snares um, and also you know, becoming involved in communities and stigmatizing um, animals to be poached, um, these are international organizations now. Um, you know, there's links with the triads in China Um, that have been involved in poaching instances um, in Africa and so these are really um, high-level criminal activities and and so for that reason um, uses of night vision and drones and helicopters are all sorts of things that they're getting involved with which is you know creating equal challenges to all of the rangers themselves who mostly are operating on ground vehicles or on foot Um, and so they're tackling you know a much more diverse range of threats which in its sense, um, would you think there'd be a need for you know, increased training? And then there definitely is a rise in, in quality training, which is which is fantastic for them. But actually, most importantly, these guys need to be felt that they're respected um, and also well supported by the people that employ them, which I think is definitely happening still um, and growing, which is really good for us. Um, but they've they're definitely um, you know, starting to turn back the tide. I think we need to make sure that we're not overly pessimistic about poaching. We have to. There's no other option um, other than to be optimistic about these things and find solutions, whether that's working with military groups uh, or whether that's with strategic specialists. We have to be optimistic about saving wildlife species for sure.
0: I think that's true for, for every ounce of conservation, every ounce of trying to face issues like climate change. We're going to talk more about some of these issues, but just having a quick break. This is actually a live performance of a song from Electric Lady Studios performed on the 19th of January this year. It's a song by Radiohead. This is Tom York, the lead singer performing it. It's actually the first song released on their record, Kings of Limbs, back in 2011. It's famous for its complex looping and style. It came from Tom York watching the Blue Planet series in 2004. So listen out as he talks about whales and giant turtles and jellyfish. This is Blue.
1: what keeps me alive So what is does this
0: now to talk about the scale of this project, about how you're you're trying to move it forward because it's a young project that started officially in May, is that right? Yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. And now you're trying to take it forward and how are you going to do that?
1: Yeah so I think um, when we're looking at how we can scale projects like these up and especially um, you know I'm only really young so I don't have too much experience in, in scaling nonprofits, which I'm, uh, I'm happy to say uh, but for us uh, we need to make sure we scale sustainably. So every ranger that we support once, we'll make sure that we support for a lot longer. Um, we don't want to ever have an occasion where we're supporting ranges for just a year, and then the following year they receive no extra support. Um, so that's making sure that we're getting a good grounding in the projects that we already partner with first, before we move on to second and third, fifth projects, etc. Um, but for us, um, we've got a very simple message, and so scaling that up shouldn't be a big problem. Our message is, uh, if you're a wildlife ranger anywhere in the world, we want to support your basic needs um, and if, if they're not supported already. Um, and, and that's a very scalable uh, message, I think. So when we're trying to connect with larger funding or larger communities uh, or projects, we just have a very simple message. If if your rangers aren't supported as well as they could be, we'd like to help. Um, so that's kind of the, the main mission of ours and, and how we can scale that mission up is via you know, several different ways. I'd say one of the first ones would be collaborations. So that might be either with larger charities who want to help and and access funding from us, but also with us, so that we can share our vision to support wildlife and ecosystems via the wildlife ranges. Um, Another way would be collaborating with larger brands. So that's something we've been working on quite heavily recently, is that collaborating with brands, um, larger sort of sportswear or activewear brands, um, can be a really good way of, um, of accessing um, funding, but also support for wildlife rangers. There's a clear tangible relationship between, you know, supplies of uh, football boots or football, uh, ranger boots, uh, or similarly socks for basketball players and socks for rangers. Um, so that tangible world is really important for us uh, to access, you know, and, and get relationships that people can see. Um, so hopefully... The larger brands will, will get on board with us. Um, in next April, we've got an event um, in London, um, supported by the EY Foundation, which is one of our corporate partners. Um, and that's going to be really exciting. I think it's where we bring 50 or 60 uh, corporate execs um, from different worlds of life. So that could be from um, merchandise like Nike, Adidas, that can be from um, nonprofits themselves, or that could be startup experts as well. And we're going to put them all in a room. And hopefully when we come out of that room, we've got people that um, you know, really want to tackle the issue that we're trying to solve. Um, And I think our message is quite inspiring because the results can be seen so quickly. Um, I think, you know, theoretically, we could have our results delivered over 24 hours from London to Lusaka or or similar. Um, So I hope people get on board with that. Um, But also being young, we're riding the wave of that youth environmental um, activism uh, sector, which is, you know, basically chaired by Greta. Um, But there's so many options for us as, as young uh, as a young non-profit to make sure that people feel that they should be supporting the youth um, so I think that's another really key thing for us is to make sure that we ride that wave um, for as long as we can uh, because it will be very fruitful I think and, and people definitely favour me uh, when I go into meetings because I'm younger you know, there's no ulterior motive for me I'm not taking a salary um, from what I do I'm just genuinely so passionate about the work that we're doing with rangers um, that for me uh, I feel that lots of people will take Take,
0: uh, take me under their wing. But that can change, though, because you're not going to be at university forever, you're not going to be a student yeah. forever. Are you concerned about how that view might change? And sure. how, in the context of riding and building up a project like you are, how that could drastically change the way in which you have to go about setting up something like this?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think we have to be very careful in the way that we manage our sort of expectations of the future, um, we've sort of strategically placed ourselves in connection with a lot of larger charities which is important for us to know that if I do graduate and, and won't be able to run this full-time then we can hand it over to a larger charity to use as one of their own projects so it'll be really exciting for us um, if that comes at that point we've got um, you know the, the comfort in knowing that actually we're gonna have our projects supported by a larger charity with much larger infrastructure um, professionals that are all working in that sector so uh, I suppose uh, it's quite comfort. It's quite comforting in the knowledge that when I do graduate, there'll be an option. Either it goes my way or it goes someone else's way. But um, I'll make a guarantee that it won't be going anywhere other than up uh, in that sense, which is exciting for everyone, I think.
0: What are some of your upcoming projects?
1: So uh, we've, we're currently talking to the Centre for Environmental Research in India, which is really exciting. So that is going to be um, a project where we're looking to support... Uh, wildlife ranges in Mumbai um, well far away from Mumbai but in Maharashtra which is a state that um, had Mumbai inside um, and they uh, are on a, on a reserve called Todoba uh, and the wildlife reserve has tigers um, but they're coming into conflict with communities at the moment in, in quite um, frightening amounts um, but intrinsically these ranges are uh, accommodated in uh, a sort of dormitory style uh, place but the electricity uh, there is non-existence. So they wake up very early in the morning to go and uh, patrol or you know, move uh, threats to these wildlife. Um, and they come back in the evening where it's dark and there's no electricity. So things are candle lit and there's no hot water. So it's slightly different um, compared to the ones that we have in Africa, which is one in Zambia and one in Zimbabwe, where we're looking much more at basic clothing um, and merchandise, um, such as beanies. Um, but also uh, feminine hygiene products, as I've said. Um, This is a bit more complex, uh, but that was communicated with the needs of of what the the Centre for Environmental Research wanted. Um, And so that's gonna be a really exciting project, and it's a slight nuance to the African projects at the moment, but nevertheless comes under the umbrella of supporting basic needs, and and, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're probably not on the same level, but they're still both really important things, uh, and we're looking to solve those. So that's, that's the project in India that's coming up. Um, I can't say too much about it yet. Um, we haven't confirmed everything, but that's a really exciting possibility. Um, and then we're going to continue to support our projects. Um, so Game Rangers International in Zambia, um, we're going to continue supporting them, which is brilliant. And then we've got National Park Rescue in Zimbabwe and Chisarira National Park, um, which is a great project, all the same too, um, which is the Conservation Director's, ex-presenter um, on National Geographic and, and a lot of other great programs um, so we are looking at the moment just to grow in our own uh, what we can scale we don't have the ability at the moment to, to look at huge projects and take on huge amount of ranges from other places only on the basis of the rate that we're looking at like we're going to grow although in the future it's very possible that uh, a big brand or a uh, large corporate firm wants to sponsor a different project and will you know potentially look to fund with lots of money uh, a brand new project so um, the great thing about this as a startup uh, is that there's several options we can we can grow very flexibly Um, so if bigger corporate brands come or corporate partners come along uh, and have you know specific wants or needs or personal requests then we can accommodate those so in terms of yeah what's coming up there's some exciting stuff the event in April um, in London will be really exciting for us to see uh, exactly where we're at and you know it's about a year on since we launched so to achieve everything that we've achieved so far is great but I think there's so much more to come in that sense which is which is equally exciting.
0: You used the word excitement there I think that's a yeah. way to sum it up with sort of everything that you're doing and yeah. we'll be back with more on Sock Style we've got a great track up next this is Rollback by George Fitzgerald and Lil Silver featured it on Tom Mustel's documentary Humpback Whale well, uh, detective story and of course he's been doing loads of work with Greta Thunberg in his latest film on nature now and natural climate solutions but this is Rollback <laughs> to talk in this next segment about the place of conservation in the current movement to solve the environmental crisis and there is no doubt that there has been a massive change in attitude and now we are of the opinion that our world is governed by climate change in every aspect of of what we do and and where we look and I guess what you're doing at the moment is, yeah, sure, you're not tackling it head-on, but you're very much part of that sphere now. And, and a group of young people like Greta Thunberg trying to trying to solve something that is so intrinsic and connected to us mm. in many ways. Yeah. And what about how that fits in with everything else that we do? We didn't want to talk about the election because that's happening today and we wanted something else, so maybe try and avoid the sure. political side of it. sure. But
1: I think, importantly, um, someone like Greta, and maybe on a smaller scale myself, proved that if you've got a mission, um, it doesn't really matter how old you are nowadays. You know, The tools to um, get your voice heard in life are, are so much more um, useful nowadays with Instagram and Facebook, emails, um, YouTube, all of these different social medias to get your voice heard. So I think the youth definitely have these new tools to access a wider world and markets that they'd never initially be able to touch, which is great. Um, but again, I think with getting our voice heard, we're getting our voice heard because it's not about ourselves. You know, There's so many people that will be out there you know, trying to sell their new business, but you know, I think for someone like myself, um, I'm happy to, to you know, access new people or make new contacts and be quite shameless in that sense because it's not about me. It's about other people that, that do need their help. So I think it's okay um, to be able to, to go and network and, and do those things. And that, so that on that youth uh, movement about you know, why people are getting listened to and that are younger, I think the barriers to entry are lower than ever now, and anybody can be anybody, um, which is great. So I think I'm, I'm really happy to be behind that and, and using that to my advantage. But the way that I think conservation fits in in the, the global environmental I use the word crisis lightly because I think it's fraught with different um, you know, aspects. But you know, the movement of global um, environment, I think, is is, um, is is a pretty prominent one. Um, it's a very tangible um, display of, of human and um, natural conflict. You know, often people um, will see you know, the impacts of carbon dioxide onto trees. It's a very um, like very uh, difficult to see. Whereas, you know, the killing of animals, elephants, tigers, lions, you can name it, pangolins, um, anywhere through there, is a very direct display of what humans are capable of at their at their worst, but also what they're capable of at their best. I think um, the tangibility of what we see in conservation solutions shows that humans really are capable of, of solving some of the issues that they cause. And again, I use the word optimism. We have to be optimistic about... The way that they solve these issues, because you know some of the best scientists in the world now are coming together to look at you know strategies or mechanisms to protect wildlife species. Um, Intel, I know, have been very much uh, working towards the way that they protect elephant species, which is great. And different technologies to track um, and protect and maintain um, ecosystems show that you know with big businesses and, and great technologies things can be changed so it's one of the great um, shames that poaching exists but actually humans are very much capable of solving it and, and we are the only the only species that are capable of solving it the difficult thing within the global environmental crisis is some of the larger issues of you know how how much pollution comes out from some of the petrochemical firms etc much diff- much more difficult to regulate with just normal technology you know there's a whole economy that relies on it whereas you know the economies that rely on poaching are much smaller so solving those issues at the moment are uh, much harder for the larger economy-related uh, uh, global environmental issues, whereas the smaller ones, like poaching, are still you know um, so horrible, but they're easy to solve. Um, and so that sense, um, there's different levels of difficulty across the ways of solving environmental issues. Um, one of the, the difficult parts within the wildlife conservation is the diplomacy related to you know, conservation Um so there's a whole heap of different controversial views within the conservation world um, about how to protect ecosystems best, but also whether they need protecting at all in certain circumstances. So um, the Forum for Endangered Species called CITES, um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of competition between whether certain animals should be defined as uh, endangered or critically endangered, or just um, at risk. You know? And these different things create serious issues between politics. Um, and slow progress which we don't have much time
0: I suppose. You're absolutely right to be optimistic and I, I am worried though in the sense that there is an element of bias in what you do and what I do in that we favour animals like lions and elephants and some of the smallest most important ones we, we forget about and to go back to what you're talking about with The poaching and the economical benefits of that, I think, yes, we should be uh, commended for what we are doing at the moment. But if you look at some aspects of poaching, ocean poaching, for example, in Japan, their last commercial hunt was in 1986. And yet they have resumed practices within the 12 mile radius of their surroundings to continue something like that. They are hunting whales again, mink whales, Mm. other endangered species. And so we need to be careful that this is not just something that is at a local level and something that people like you are doing. Yes, that's fantastic and that will motivate change, but in order to truly tackle these issues, I think it needs to be on a global scale. Yeah, and absolutely. It yeah. needs to have countries like Norway, Iceland, Japan, who are revolving back to previous practices that they carried out in the late 19th and early 20th centuries to... to continue and maintain those values because these are crucial to our survival and i think people really underestimate that
1: yeah for sure and i think the reason it's becoming such a prominent issue within you know the news at the moment is that we're running out of time i think the word finite could be used um or you know today we are facing one of the the ways that uh, the climate is starting to reverse on itself and we reach a level that you know uh, with pollution, but also with poaching, that it's difficult to go back to world levels. Um, whether that's of of ecosystem uh, health, etc. So I think today and tomorrow and the day after, we're getting closer and closer to that sort of critical hour. Um, and and for that reason, I think it's really important that we just start now. You know, it's so easy deliberating on how we should do it, but we just need to start. It's the hardest part of you know starting any nonprofit. It's the first the first step of launching it actually. Um, and I think we just need to start today. I, I, maybe we started yesterday. I don't know. But for for me as a as a young individual, by the time I'm you know my kids are around, there will be a totally different environment that we live in. Um, and that's okay. But we need to make sure that it's an environment that's still um, you know sustainable and healthy. Um, so yeah, we will see. But I think time is definitely running out, and we're getting closer and closer by the minute. Uh, but that's not a problem. We need to you know we need to take. Um, courage and be optimistic about solving these otherwise there's no point in giving up It's not really a time to give up
0: mm. next up we have a track from the our planet trailer which was released this year on netflix it was so successful as a program that it supposedly slowed down the chinese internet according to the times this is month and sons with the wild we saw on
1: birth and death.
0: Can we be still? What makes you come? From where comes your spark?
1: tied up in the knot which I forgot
0: Wow. What's the fear
1: of God in me?
0: Lou, you mentioned just in the break that